Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. What about all these people that, you know, get mugged by drug addicts? And I said, look, it's like this. I said, obviously, you're not going to talk to a drug addict about that he's made the wrong life choices or, you know what I mean, when he has a needle to your neck. Equally, you're not going to go up to him when he needs Narcan and mm-hmm. stand over him saying, this wouldn't have happened if you hadn't made the right choices. You know, there's a time and a place for conversations and obviously, if somebody breaks the law, certainly they should be arrested, you know, for doing something violent. But, you know, the time to kind of talk about this is like actually when you have people in a safe injecting room, when they're in a kind of position, you know, they're lucid and maybe beforehand or afterwards, then you have these kind of uh, progressive kind of conversations with them, not at the moment of extreme, uh, the extreme moments of, of how their lives can either go off the rails. So what's going on in Ireland? There's a lot of talk about safe injection facilities. But there's also a lot of talk about decriminalisation. So we're joined by Tony Duffin from Analithi Drugs Project. And we're also joined by Emmett Kerwin, who is a playwright, an actor and a writer. This is Scroobius Pips Distraction Pieces Network. We're Stop and Search, brought to you by ACAST in association with the UK. Let's get into this then. Behind your barricades Yeah, but how long can I stay? Thank you so much again for joining us. We're not going to hang about on this one. There's a lot to talk about what's going on in Ireland. Socially, historically, culturally, politically, there's a lot of movement. So, what's going on? Let's get straight into this little stop and search. Uh, my name's Emmett Kieran. I'm an actor, a writer and a, a poet. And Tony? I'm Tony Duffin. I'm the Chief Executive Officer of the Analithi Drug Project. This is really exciting for me because it's the first time that I've... We've, we've discussed America a few times, but we've not actually discussed much outside the UK. So actually to get a perspective on Ireland yeah. is so useful because there's so much going on at the moment. And I think, Tony, you're a great one to speak on this because even though most people listen to this and think that Ireland is potentially more of a conservative country than what the UK is, oh. you've done so much more. You, you are leading yeah, well, I mean, on, on not just on on drug policy, but but generally, we you know, Emmett and I would be living over in in, in Ireland, and um, people might get confused by my London accent. But yeah. I've been over there for eighteen years and working with the Analithi for thirteen. But but the Ireland is you know 
I think, one of the um, greatest small progressive countries uh, at the moment, you know, especially in the international context of, you know, quite right-wing uh, politics elsewhere, uh, we we still have problems, right? But yeah. but but um, but it, you know we've we've repealed the eighth. Um, you, you probably you did a lot of work on on, on that yourself. The, the eighth amendment, which was around abortion, um, we had the marriage referendum. Um, yeah. where, where you know, equality in marriage uh, in recent years. Um, people were, I think, uh, many people overseas were shocked by that, you know, that Ireland had, had gone down that route uh, and had a referendum and the people spoke. So, so in, in that context, drug policy is, is, uh, is developing. And uh, I suppose for me, it's about progressive drug policy and, and you know, managing the situation better than we, ha- we have been. You know, um, 1977, we introduced the Misuse of Drugs Act, 41 years later, we're in a terrible mess. Um, we've got more drugs than ever. Um, we've got, um, they're more potent than ever. Um, and, um, and there's more harm than ever. Uh, and we need to manage it all better. You know, we just need to do better um, and reduce the harm. Um, but I guess, uh, I guess that's obviously in the global context that that is happening elsewhere. But other countries like Portugal are doing really well, you know, by comparison to, to countries that still sort of criminalise people for their drug use, for example, right? Um, so there's, there's things we need to do. Um, I could go all over the place here, but, but you know, we, we've, do you want me to talk about how, um, what's happened in recent years around drug policy? Would that, go would, for it, yeah. Would, let's, would get, let's get a bit of a summary of what... So, so, um, so uh, for our part anyway, I'll st- you know, I suppose I'm speaking from Nana Liffey's perspective on this bit, we... we um, we set out in around January 2012, we, we, we released a strategic plan. And in that strategic plan, we talked about introducing, uh, look into lobby for and, and, and see the introduction of supervised injection facilities. Uh, back then, it was quite controversial uh, to even talk about, you know, allowing people to take drugs. People didn't really understand why you would want to do that. Um, so it was quite controversial. It didn't rock the boat too much. We're only a small uh, NGO in, in Ireland. But um, but nonetheless, we were the first people to write down that we wanted to see this happen. Um, and then you, we, we worked very hard in terms of engaging with people um, from a, from, in the public domain, in the media and social media and, and, and the policy perspective. And... Um, you know, long story short, um, or, or the 15th of December 2015, um, government uh, made a decision to legislate for supervised injection facilities, which was fantastic. It was a kind of culmination of much of the work to that point. And then, and then, uh, and then that was great. And then last last year, uh, the 16th of May 2017, um, the legislation was 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 signed into law. Um, by our president Michael D Higgins, and um, and I, you know, that was that. That's all great. The the problem we have is we we still don't have supervised injection facilities in Ireland. The 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 the, the gap between legislation and implementation is 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 still there. But we are working on it. And um, and Merchants Key Island are the the preferred provider for the uh, for the first the first one the pilot service. So we're really behind them to make sure that 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 they get that open soon. There's a lot of injecting uh, that goes on in the streets of Dublin. We have around we would estimate around conservatively about 400 people at any one time in Dublin city centre injecting. You know, any given month I should say, not any given time, but any given month. And um, and that's, that there's a lot of serious harms involved with that. 
Um, and in that context, and that was a really, I suppose, getting the legislation over the line uh, and seeing that happen was 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 a was a big statement. Um, and then in a, in conjunction to that, Citywide, which is another NGO, um, a community based organisation in in Ireland, based in Dublin. They they began the conversation about the decriminalisation of drugs for personal use, and um, and we really agree with them. You know, like the evidence is very very strong, um, and we've been working with them. And now we have within our national drug strategy, which was launched last summer. Sorry, uh, yeah, 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 launched last summer. Um, uh, we now have a working group set up uh, by the states that are looking at, at that very issue. You know, the, the alternatives to uh, to criminalisation of people who use drugs. So, um, so we're in a kind of point, a very critical point in Ireland, where that particular um, group is due to report back uh, within twelve months. That should be around November, December of, of of this year. Now that may be pushed out. I don't know, but but that that's when it should report back. And it's really critical that they come back, you know, positively about decriminalisation. The evidence is very very good. We need them to come back because if we don't, then the national drug strategy runs up to twenty twenty five, and we're not going to get a second bite of the cherry, right? We're, we're going to have to wait to have a look again. And the evidence is very clear. We need to decriminalise people who use drugs. Like, and we've talked about this a uh, number of times, you know, uh, myself and a few yeah. others, obviously, um, around this. And, uh, yeah, we're, 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 we're doing well, but implementation, you know, we need, we need implementation, we need, we need policy decision uh, for a, decrim- for a decriminalised, decriminalised environment, and, you know, it'll, it'll work. It'll be better than the current situation we're in. This, this is why I get excited about this podcast because we, what we were just saying earlier is that we can marry up culture with policy making and this is where I, I bring you in Emmett is because I mean you're writing around the subjects around not just drugs but it just social environments in general has, yeah. has been it's been so impactful both your spoken word and also your films and your plays what's it been like watching this play out? The in relation to you know decriminalisation and, and, and drugs policy it I'm optimistic to a degree. <clears throat> I know that at the moment we have a, a political party who's in power who are our version of the Conservatives. Mm. <clears throat> so what happens is, and this is it's kind of indicative of what Tony's saying, there, there, there seems to be a push towards, you know, because there's a lot more kind of younger kind of members within the party. But they are, they are socially liberal on a number of issues, but they are fiscally conservative to, to an extreme. So often what happens is the socially liberal kind of policies are there as long as they don't cost the government anything. So if we can bring it to these people because it's all kind of underpinned with a neoliberal ideology that that it's cost effective, that it won't cost them anything that will actually improve, you know, they're very much business first as opposed to kind of health-led initiatives that will look after citizens. There's also a larger cohort of the political kind of movement, not movement, but political parties in in government and in the Dáil and the lower house, that are a lot older. So they have a particular kind of view of legislation and of illegality that it often correlates with morality. Um, as we know and you know and we all know, like, you know, illegality and immorality don't always correlate. So the idea of drugs as being something that is both immoral and debased and, you know, it's something that we shouldn't be encouraging anybody to do still kind of hangs around in, in, in people's ideas. And even if they do get, you know, evidence-based uh, uh, 
you know, empirical evidence, like from, let's say, in Portugal or something like that. There's a lot of kind of arguments where they say, well, that's Portugal, it might not work in our country because mm-hmm. culturally we're different, you know, this kind of thing. So, you know, there is there are people that just have a problem with drugs. But, um, but you know, there, there's a lot of things that they, you know, our particular kind of place in the world as a tax haven, for example, you know, they don't seem to have any kind of moral mm-hmm. issues with kind of like defunding the revenue systems of other countries, you know, kind of way. So like the morality is kind of skewed when it suits, you know. So that that's just a kind of from from my point of view about like drugs policy, I'm I'm hopeful. But I think that it it, it is what and what the guys are doing, which is really great. It's it's all it's all fact based information and if you can kind of like smother them in, in empirical evidence and and how it will help business because mm-hmm. that is the thing you know there's 400 addicts in the city you yeah. know if you try to basically convince these people that you know I, I don't really think a lot of the time that their their care really is for the addicts I think it's just for how can we make this society run better you know and, it, and I don't care you know whatever gets gets the job done you know kind of way like well, I'm kind yeah. of like uh, even if it is that that they kind of want to clean up the streets and, and help you know my, my primary focus on, on Tony's is, is helping citizens to get better Uh you know the the, the the political parties in Ireland, like not all of them, especially the right wingers, not necessarily. You know, well, that's interesting. Isn't it? Is is we were saying just a minute ago that a lot of times we can all agree on something, but it's the the arguments that we employ. Yeah, and I think you just really summarise that. Sometimes that drug policy is cost effective, and that works yeah. well with certain demographics. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And have you found that there's almost a, a generational divide as well? I think. I think there is because like in Ireland like and I, I, you know this is a cultural kind of like historical thing there wasn't that many people in Mountjoy prison in the 1960s you know like there was it was a prison that it was mostly the debtors prison you know in the 1960s it was kind of full of people and stuff like that there was nobody in there for drugs really mm. you know so what happens is there's a lot of people that would have grown up and see the rise in crime and they're right you know what I mean like there's a correlation between the influx of drugs and drugs trade and, and criminality around it, you know what I mean? So they see, you know, if all you have is a hammer, you know what I mean? Like you see every problem as a nail, you know that kind of way. So that's, and, and uh, it, so they kind of, they, they write, the, gener- the older generation see, kind of sees a time when there was no drugs and there was no problems with this kind of particular thing. Mm-hmm. And they see a time now where there is drugs and there is a problem. So they, their, their kind of idea is the prohibition thing of, well, if you just get rid of the drugs, you get rid of the problem. But as we know, none of this is as nuanced. It's much more nuanced than that, you know, that kind of way. So there definitely is. I think younger people have a different attitude towards it, definitely. Yeah, no, I think I think loads of stuff you just said. I would yeah. totally agree with you straight off the straight off the mark there. Yeah. I think the progressive drug policy it it should be about you know progressive drug policies to me should be about people um, uh, helping people to achieve their potential, right? Yeah, saving people's lives and saving taxpayers' money, right? Yeah, and those three things you are almost certainly speaking to someone's uh, self interest. Yeah, you know, in terms of politician or business groups. Right. Oh, yeah. um, in terms of the community groups, you know, wanting to save lives and that kind yeah, of. Yeah. I mean, actually, in fairness to all stakeholders, we all want to save lives. You, you yeah. Know. But there's, it is about speaking to each stakeholder's interest when you're, and, and you said that a moment ago. And I think that's that that's just really important. You know, yeah. getting that message across to people, speaking to them so that they understand, like, like language uh, that you that you bring to the table, um, and and indeed making sure that, that as I say, speak to their self interest. It's a debate. I think that can be won especially with older conservatives that can be won with logic you know they they will employ a kind of idea that you know we don't have special lanes in free in highways or on you know motorways for drunk drivers 
you know, to drive kind of unencumbered. You're not going to make so why are we giving them injection centres? But then what you say to them is, well, look, the majority of the ambulance services in Ireland, in Dublin, are tied up going around the city and distributing Narcon to people. So if you have a relative who's in his 60s and has a stroke or has a, has a, has a heart attack, we want those ambulances to be freed up, not to be going around basically plugging up the holes of a, of a failed drug policy, but to be going around treating people that have illnesses that really ambulances are really supposed to be deployed for. So if you can, and I don't mean this in like talking about people as if they're cattle, but, you know, corralling like a number of addicts into the same kind of area. And we see that the empirical evidence from places like Sydney and from Amsterdam show that there is a, a marked uh, drop in the call-outs mm-hmm. of ambulance uh, call-outs then you know you can you can say that the people who are fiscally conservative who are conservative who are conservative morally or, or liberally uh, in, val- in a value system I should say that you can say well this is actually a cost effective measure because you know the idea that these people are going to stop doing drugs that's not going to work sure. so you know so the logic based arguments I think will be the thing that wins the day you know and morality arguments are just out the window and if someone is kind of approaching rally because Ireland is still a very conservative country in a lot of ways it's still a very catholic country you know um but in the in the in the terms of the in the abortion referendum recently we kind of really figured out that people are you know Irish people are incredibly decent and once they hear a story of personal strife or personal uh hardship and how their lives have been turned around they have empathy in a large part and that was the thing that carried the abortion referendum nobody really cared anymore what the church had to say they only really wanted to know about the hardships that affected the women who um, you know either needed an abortion or you know had to go search had to go to England outside of our jurisdiction to get one and all of the deleterious effects that that would have on their mental state and them and their life and you know so if we can kind of I think the argument going forward is to kind of put forward an argument of God, look, these are people, these are yes. citizens, yes. not just yes. kind of uh, yes. just kind of the, the, the detritus of a failed yes. drug policy on the streets, you know. I think um, I think the other thing is is that the political elite have to care, right? And mm. and um, and this is on the agenda in Ireland. Um, I talk to my colleagues here in the UK, and it doesn't seem to be on the agenda whatsoever. Oh right, okay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah anyway. You know, no, and um, and you know, there's funded services here. And there's a response, but it's, uh, look, this is my understanding from talking to people, services have been cut quite dramatically yeah. um, and and there simply isn't, um, it simply isn't on the political agenda, right? Um, and the difference in Ireland is, it is. Um, now, it's in the years gone by, it's fallen off the agenda, it's back yeah. on the agenda. I mean, we had a banking crisis and, you know, that's all we talked about. All, the, all, all From what I can gather, all you talk about in the UK at the moment is Brexit. Um, and yeah. and the, the, the problem with that, of course, is, is that while you're focused on that, other things are happening over here, you yeah. know. And what happens is, is that <clears throat> you store up your problems. For example, in Ireland now, we have a very serious homelessness problem um, and we have a very serious drug problem. Um, is that the re- direct result of our of our um, banking collapsing? Um, it's almost certainly impacted. It's certainly impacted upon yeah. by it. You know. So my point, I suppose, is that you need to focus on this. You know, yeah. you need to focus on it. You need it. We have a good national drug strategy. We have a health led drug strategy, and um, in Ireland, and um, and there's some very uh, progressive 
um, actions in there, if they're implemented, we will do better. Yeah. You know, so, um, at, but there isn't, if they are implemented, it's really important. Yeah, They've the got to be thing. implemented. Well, is that thing, yeah, if you can, <clears throat> if they could figure out a way of privatizing it, <laughs> maybe they jump to it quicker, you know what I mean? <laughs> like prisons or something, you know what I mean? Like, but I'm being, I'm being facetious. <laughs> but, like, but no, but it is though, you know, because I heard, I, I don't know, it could be, you guys could correct me. There was injection centers here, it was there in London, there was a pilot scheme, and then it was ended by the uh, conservatives there, when we got back in. There was, right. there was a heroin, uh, heroin scheme. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the Maudsley uh, John Strang Professor John Strang read it and, and, and I don't know and crime rates dropped didn't they uh, certainly for certainly for that, for that group they had great outcomes for that group of people there was it was a, it was actually a it was a diamorphine, prescribed diamorphine, prescribed right. heroin a trial. Yeah, that, yeah. If that's the same one you're thinking of, um, and and that had great results there. And we don't have that in Ireland. And and we, you know, I would definitely be supportive of. It's not, you know, um, prescribed heroin is is not for everybody. It's for it's for you know people yeah. that, that you know, other others other op- treatment options haven't worked for. Right. Uh, people who are well established and and it's proven to work for that yeah. cohort of people. But I'm just saying that that uh, they're the kind of progressive drug policy. That we that we need in yeah. Ireland, in the UK, we need to just this idea of just say no is well established that it doesn't work, yeah, it doesn't work. Um, and uh, and actually does far more harm. We've got ourselves into an awful mess, as I mentioned earlier. You know, so yeah. yeah. And, you, and you are right that we have regressed because we had heroin assisted treatment here, yeah. and then we pulled it back. It's, it was dubbed the British system, and yet we've we've yeah. gone back on it. And and this is key: is that that incremental steps, as you've been saying, is that. At the moment, you're not having that dialogue. You're you're more yeah. focused on safe injection facilities or drug mm. consumption rooms. Mm. Um, so, can you just spell out what at the moment what Analyphy, what you are advocating, what is your current procedures? Okay, so so at the moment we we don't we don't have supervised injection facilities in Ireland, but we do have legislation and we have a preferred provider in Merchants Key Island, which is which is great, you know. Um, and what the model is is based on the Sydney model where you will come along with your own drugs and you go in and you get your you get your injecting equipment and you speak to the staff and you tell the staff what you're about to inject uh, as best you know because it's an illicit drug uh, and then you go in um, when there's a booth available you go in you inject yourself um, and all being well you tidy up at the end and then you have a chat with the staff in the chill out area um, or the aftercare area and um, and then you go on about your business but if you go back into the injecting room for a moment and if you're sitting there and you inject yourself and there's a problem, you have an overdose, there's people there to save your lives and no one's ever died of an, of a, an overdose in, in, in a drug consumption room. Um, and, you know, obviously a supervised injection facility is a type of drug consumption room um, uh, in anywhere in the world. No one's ever died of an overdose in any, any, any of these services. So, you know, we, we as I said to you, we it's certainly around Ireland, but particularly in Dublin, we uh, in different urban centres around Ireland, we, we have problems with public injecting uh, or street-based injecting and um and yeah the, the the trial version the pilot version is going to open up in in dublin hopefully as soon as possible um so that'd be great but that's 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 the model there um and then i guess you know the idea would be obviously to get people through to treatment and rehabilitation again the evidence is very clear if you have a relationship with someone don't leave yeah. them down an alleyway amongst the bins right and you get them in and you build a relationship with you get them through to treatment and rehabilitation faster you get them yeah. into stabilization you can get them into a detox if if you i mean one of the problems we have in ireland is is um we don't have 
accessible uh, treatment services for people in terms of uh, in terms of particularly in terms of stabilisation, residential stabilisation, detox. So um, in London, you still have city roads, the service city roads, and you still have in Scotland, you have um, you have Turning Point um, Drug Crisis Centre, and that their models are based on people arriving, being assessed, and when there's a bed. You, you get in and, and, and I remember being a young man working in London and referring people up there and, and yeah. I thought that's how it all worked. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't. Um, and one of the things, the other things we're advocating for in Ireland is we want to see services like that available yeah. because we have a poly drug use problem. We don't have a heroin problem. We have a poly drug use problem. We've got people injecting um, everything, you know, that, that, that that's available, you know, on the streets, yeah. pills, um, you know, uh, NPS, uh, loads of. Can loads you just explain types. what poly drug use is? Because, oh, yeah. of, because we, the audience of this, we, we're quite spread. We get obviously experts, yeah. but we also get entry level people. So, can you just give so us an po- idea? Poly drug use is when someone takes uh, more than one one substance at any one time. Technically speaking, alcohol and cigarettes would be poly drug use. But yeah. what I'm talking about is heroin, cocaine being taken, then a few, then some benzos, um, smoke some joints. You know, all in the one session. So, yeah, yeah. and and of course, poly drug use. Uh, we have we. We have quite a particular problem, uh, as you do in the UK, in Ireland with um, with overdose, uh, and um, all all, um, all um, overdoses in Ireland are poly drug use overdoses because people don't realise yeah. some of the risks that they're taking in terms of the different drugs they've mixed. So you know, um, poly drug use is 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 probably the epidemic, if you like, that we have yeah. across across the globe. I suppose there's a there's a in in Britain. I think it's. What's happening is you guys had so much progress on on social levels of, you know, you had the NHS from the nineteen forties. We have we have never had a fully socialised medical program. We have a HSC, which is a kind of <clears throat> partially funded med- medical healthcare system that's supposed to look after people that have fallen through the not fallen through the net, but, it, but what's happening is it looks after the majority of the population, but it's it's not as well funded as the NHS, and then it has a private healthcare market on the side as well. Who so what happens is here maybe <clears throat> there would have been places that people could get sent. Ireland's never had those because, you know, and we have a, a huge waiting list backlog of people who aren't even drug users just trying to access medical care. So the political will necessarily might not be there. You know what I mean? For, you know, they, they, they kind of think, well, we, we need to look after people who are regularly, say, first off, you know what I mean? So in the sense that we're still trying to strive for those things. But yeah. we have the will, I think, in Ireland where we don't have to... The back, you know, the actual infrastructure where we're here, you actually have the infrastructure, but you don't have the will, you know. Do you know what that comes back to was your point earlier, which was that progressive drug policies save money, right? It's like yeah. you could do as evidence that they save money. And, and, and the, look, the HSE funds the analyphy, right? And we yeah. receive, you know, funding, significant funding to do our work, which is great. Um, and it's, you know, identified that if you, if you, have a cohort of people who are marginalised, who are, you know, it's very difficult to to, to engage with, with, with them, yeah. not not because of them, but because, you know, it's 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 just something that's quite quite hard work in terms of trying to sort of create relationships and such. Um, but if you do that, you save money elsewhere. And that's 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 the point. Yeah. And that's the thing we've got to keep getting back to people is is that pre hospital emergency care, ambulances, accident and emergency, yeah, that kind of thing, yeah. it's very, very expensive, right? But and then and then you got to say, look, well, why are we spending all this money on injector rooms? Because right, when you spend money over here, yeah. and you have this cohort of people who are extremely vulnerable, right? They're, they're treated so badly, right, yeah, yeah. by society, right, um, uh, and marginalised. That when you can create a, a safe space for them, keep them um, safe and well, 
you just save money further up the line. They don't go off in, a, in, in, in ambulances. They don't go into any... They, you know, when, when someone who we work with uh, and as, as unwell as they can be, right, they end up in taking up hospital beds because they're so unwell, yeah. you know? But, but, but you, when you're working with people and they're injecting safely and they're, um, you know, they're, they're not getting abscesses or other health-related harms, um, they just don't end up in hospital yeah. as much. So, so, so no, I suppose I come back to your point yeah, about... Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to say, that, like, you know, the HSE yeah. is, they are very good and they do oh, look no, after no. people quite well and uh, and they do, it's not like that. It was, it was a government kind of issue of, you know, funding for them kind yeah. of falls short of what it should be. But yeah. it is that kind of, a, it is that, like, argument that we use to go, <clears throat> well, look, you know, if you don't want the A&E or the ambulance service plugged up by drug yeah. users, we can look after them. No, we can. We as a society can look after them and, okay. and projects I mean, like Analyphy as a side kind of buy. You know? Yeah, no, I mean over the years, like I mean like we mentioned earlier the the uh, the difficulty that we had the banking crisis in in Ireland and and public services were cut. It would be remiss of me not to acknowledge it. You know, yeah, they they were cut and you know funding is is still there, but it's it's not what it was in two thousand and seven. No. You know, um, and and we still have, you know. This is one part of the puzzle. We still have a very serious drug problem in Ireland. And, yeah. and so, yes, in Ireland, what we need to do, is, yes, we need more resources, but we also need to look at what we're doing as well. Do you know what I mean? This is what we're talking about, progressive drug yeah, policy. Yeah. So you're trying to balance up this kind of like, okay, yes, there's more resources needed, but what are we doing with the resources we have? And that, that's the kind of, and that conversation is going on all the time uh, and really engaging as well uh, with, with the services like Analyphy and others, you know. And it's like you said, Emmett, it's, the, it's, it's a conversation. You've got to have, make sure that people can understand this and think yeah. in terms of, of a person and not just a concept. Yeah. And, I th- yeah, I think, like, you know, it's, it's bringing along one of our, the main kind of, like, talk show, radio talk shows in Ireland is the Joe Duffy show and it's on, you know, yeah. it's a midweek so his kind of ideas about drugs and, you know, I've heard him talking about it before, you know, saying it's morally wrong, it's wrong, it's, you know, and what happens is a lot of people will listen to his radio programme, especially people of a particular demographic and age. So they'll get their information about drugs from that. But actually, if you open up the conversation, which we do and we need to, and that's why I think there's an engagement with artists and people in the media who can, but it's, you know, it's... Still quite, it's still quite hard to bring a lot of people from the media along, you know what I mean? They don't want to have any kind of uh, association with either the solution or, you know, any kind of the, the whiff of that they would, you know, kind of even be concerned about drug addicts. I'm like, well, why are you concerned about drug addicts? You know, like, what's your concern about drug policy? And you say, well, you know, you want to do something. So there needs to be a kind of a, ch- a conversation that you basically humanise these people because there's a dehumanisation that has continually happened uh, on all kind of levels, uh, you know, both in our media, in our in our fiction, in our you know, uh, the, the the idea of a Dublin accent. I think some, in some parts of the country is is actually synonymous not with a Dubliner but with a drug addict. Do you know what I mean? They will think that that's a Dublin accent, and they do that as their kind of like go to kind of mocking of a Dublin person. You know, uh, so you know there is there is ingrained all these people that get like um, <laughs> what about all these people that you know get mugged by drug addicts? And I said, look, it's like this. I said. Obviously, you're not going to talk to a drug addict about that he's made the wrong life choices or, you know what I mean, when he has a needle to your neck. Equally, you're not going to go up to him when he needs Narcan and mm-hmm. stand over him saying, this wouldn't have happened if you hadn't made the right choices. You know, there's a time and a place for conversations. And obviously, if somebody breaks the law, certainly they should be arrested, you know, for doing something violent. But, you know, the time to kind of talk about this is like actually when you have people in a safe injecting room, when they're in a kind of position, you know, they're lucid and maybe yeah. beforehand or afterwards, then you have these kind of uh, progressive kind of conversations with them, not at the moment of extreme... Uh, 
the extreme moments of, of how their lives can either go off the rails in either end of that scale, you know? It's a really good point, right? Um, I went over to Lisbon to visit um, uh, Dr. Nuno Capaz, who, who runs the Lisbon Dissuasion Committee, and I was sat with him, and he was explaining to me how the Dissuasion Committee in Lisbon, so the, in a decriminalised um, uh, environment, uh, works. And he was talking to me about, you know, and of course he was explaining it. So in, in a decriminalised environment, you know, this is not a get-out-of-jail card. Yeah. Um, uh, drug use is 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 a health issue, right? As yeah. you just described very very well, right? And in a decriminalised uh, situation, uh, the, the the police aren't looking to arrest people for their own personal use, okay? But if you come to the attention of the police in in Lisbon and you have drugs on you, you get referred to a dissuasion committee. If you come to the attention because because you had a fight or you were stealing something, that is a crime, right? And you get sent to the you get sent to the courts, and that gets dealt with in the courts. The good thing about this is over here, they're dealing with your potent, your, your health issue, and over here they're dealing with the criminal activity. So you don't get you don't get a, a further criminalised for 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 the uh, for the drug use, but you do get offered help if you need it, and they don't yeah. force help on people. So you know it's really it's a very very clever way to respond to this complex problem that we have do you know like it is complicated yeah. and it's and it, it's emotional like why would you want to let those scumbags off or whatever you get all that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. stuff and it's like we're not letting anybody off we're accepting that this is a health issue and we're trying to get in underneath it to help people and over here right when you're talking about crimes that's a crime deal with it in the justice system i'm not yeah, talking yeah. about anybody let anybody steal people's property or or um or, or attack people nothing like that that's that'd be nuts you know, you've got, yeah. you, you got to have the rule of law as well. Mm. But, but it was a mistake to criminalise drug use back in 1977. Yeah. And, and it wasn't even really the intention in, 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 the, in the door, in the Oireachtas, our parliament. There, there was an acknowledgement that, that, that this was complex, that, this, that, that uh, they had people here who they were, they were criminalising, but they accepted that they had, a, uh, like, problems, um, yeah. right? And then, but then they didn't know how to really separate it all out. Yeah, yeah. Now we have a model where we can, right? So we should try and undo that mistake, that initial yeah. mistake. And they should do that in the UK as well, let's be clear. Yeah. You well, know? as you say, you have, you have a kind of a, a joint of thinking, even for the people that want kind of decriminalisation between law enforcement and the medical professionals, you know, so they're working together, whereas in Ireland... I think there are members of the law enforcement that, that, that are in line with the kind of thinking of decriminalisation. They can see it. But, you know, there's no police service in the world that has ever been a force for social change. That's not their job. Their job is just to quite literally enforce legislation. So the nuance of, as they said, in 1977, we need to look after these people. It's not really the job of Angarda Khan. It's not the job of the cops. So, you know, if you have kind of legislation that says arrest these people, but then no kind of backup plan well, what do we do with them after that other than yeah, 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 the yeah. criminal justice yeah. system so I think now I think people with a bit more logic you know kind of logic based approach go oh well actually you know we can't just you know send cops into a music festival get them to arrest a load of kids with drugs this is shooting fish in a barrel they're not stopping any particular crime in that moment they're not teaching these people a lesson they'll keep doing drugs you know what I mean they're not gonna there's an idea that you'll scare them into never going near drugs again that just doesn't happen you know what I mean there was a report out yesterday in, in Ireland on, on policing reform 
Um, and in that, you know, I didn't get to read it all yet, but I read bits that were no, obviously. What did they say about the, the drugs. Well, they didn't. They, they didn't really explicitly talk about decrim, but what they did talk about was the policing's, uh, uh, the police's uh, involvement, being first responders, and often dealing with social and health problems yeah. as a first responder. And they talked about um, the, the guards working closely with. You know, drug services, mental health services, yeah. health, services, uh, and acknowledging it as a as an actual a legitimate part of their job. You know, which yeah. it is, which which is because they are the first ones there, and they're often said, "You deal with this." But the know? thing, and I know the thing, the problem in Ireland is a lot of them aren't given that training, though. No, but that that was yeah. part of the that was part of the police reform report. Yeah, was yeah. like give them the training, give give yeah. them the training, get them linked in, and we we do work with the guards already um, for our for our part. You know, so we have a, a model called assertive case management, which is in the city centre. And we, uh, what we do is we, we've targeted the, the most vulnerable people on the streets, sleeping rough, poly drug use, as we mentioned earlier, yeah. uh, mental health issues, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And we're working with the guards and we, what we do is we say to the person, would you allow us to share information? Would you sign off on confidentiality? And we, we share information with the guards yeah. and vice versa to, because, because confidentiality became a big barrier to, to moving people on. And, and that's, that's a very effective way of working, getting yeah. over there, you know, sorting out warrants that, that, pe- that often a barrier for people not wanting to get, you know, sorting them out proactively with, with the person. So it's a really good model. We have to work with the police. We have to work. And, and look, across the globe, to greater or lesser degree, you've got this law enforcement and public health work going on. It just needs to be more acknowledged yeah. and, and more structured. Yeah. This is the perverse nature of, of the current law and the way that people interpret it. Because there's a friend of ours, Tom Lloyd, former chief constable yeah. of uh, Cambridgeshire. And he makes a great example that the law differentiates. We've got Marla in Say, which is an evil within itself, and then we've got Marla in Prohibitum, which is a state-sanctioned law where you prohibit. So we've got a differentiation. We know the difference, but most people just don't understand, as you said, Emmett, that most people associate drug users with where they're going to be in fights, they're going to be robbing, where they're going to be that. They just think in one homogenous term of what a drug user is and that they're outside the law. And I think that's where arts and culture and you specifically because you've done Dublin Old School which is uh, if you don't mind me saying like a, yeah. a kind of a drug culture film and it's, it's I've not actually managed to see it all yet but it's from what I know and what Tony said is absolutely genuinely fantastic and it was a play and I think that's where you and your sector specifically really come in is that you can create stories and you can flesh things out and you can make people look differently where myself and Tony might not be able to yeah yeah it's where people go you know they go well what are you doing you know in order to kind of because you're not frontline staff, you know what I mean. But you're trying to like uh, change the narrative, change the story around uh, these people. But it is creating narratives that are true to life, um, that depicts drug addiction as it is, um, and 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 it's incumbent upon dramatists, playwrights, you know, poets or, or screenwriters or whatever it is, or novelists, <clears throat> when they are creating narratives, that they don't simply put, let's say, a drug user into something as a kind of plot device you know that kind of way like so if you you know in a murder mystery it's like you know <clears throat> there'll be an addict as a periphery kind of ancillary character or something like that who's somebody who will do anything for money you know this kind of way like this you know it's incumbent upon us to kind of every character that is portrayed is, <clears throat> is given a humanity and that's one of the things that is the dehumanisation of addicts has been incredibly successful the world over you know and um, this kind of you know Allying kind of addicts as being people who are immoral and kind of not even in, in terms of like stealing, but just like 
taking of drugs Almost is something like that's... Almost villain. Yeah, point. totally, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. But doesn't even the taking of drugs is seen as being something that is, you know, is, 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 is completely immoral. But, you know, drugs don't have... They don't have cognitive reasoning, you know what I mean? They're not. They're an inanimate object, you know? They can't, like, people are like, oh, drugs are evil. It's like, well, drugs aren't evil. It's just a fucking substance, you know what I mean? Like, so it's um, it's about kind of, like, portraying addicts as, as human beings and, uh, and just kind of portraying, making stories that actually hopefully portray these people as they actually are, you know? And, and don't get me wrong. We know there are people that do horrendous things, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to say that all addicts are angels. They're not, you know what I mean? But it is, you, you can you can make... I think one of the kind of things that I was doing when I wrote Dublin Old School was just to kind of portray someone that maybe has done bad things but show who this person is or was, you know. Mm. And yeah. you, you also I mean, make quite a good hypocrisy point as well because your character consumes drugs but doesn't doesn't think of themselves as an addict whereas there's yeah. this other frame that there is an addict. So you've made that brilliant kind of dichotomy of in that, that Yeah, he, like the older brother basically looks, the younger brother looks down on the older brother because the older brother is, is, does heroin and heroin is one of those kind of drugs exactly. where your life can come off the rails almost instantaneously like with crack cocaine or crystal meth there's a really uh, precipitous decline that happens quite quickly. Um, uh, you know, a, a rapid kind of decline whereas if people are taking you know, expensive drugs that are kind of party drugs like ketamine, cocaine, MDMA, you know, weed or whatever. There, there is no difference between them. They're, but, they're, you know, it's all drug use, you know, kind of alcohol's the same, you know, kind mm. of way. so it's, it's about talking about the kind of hypocrisies about how we treat people that do it and the people that take drugs, you know, necessarily shouldn't be um, thrown glass. Yeah, no, look. Bricks at people in glass houses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the dehumanisation of people is a great point, you know. Yeah. Decriminalisation in 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 Portugal has has over time seen the, um, the people getting the dignity and respect back. You know, people talking about people with health problems. We are yeah. so far removed from that in Ireland. Um, so that's one of the reasons. Why, um, the because stigma is a is a huge barrier. People actually think that if you shame people, somehow they get motivated. They don't yeah, get yeah, motivated. Yeah, yeah, they they just recoil, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, and so shame is not a, a motivating factor for people. Um, so. You know, getting out there and decriminalising drugs in Ireland. Uh, actually, decriminalising the person, because that was one of the yeah. other point you made, and that's something that 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 is very strong in the narrative in in, in Ireland and in, in the discussion and discourse. Is is th- this is about decriminalising people, not drugs? Yeah, drugs remain illegal. Uh, you know, that's really important to I say. Think, and I think and it's how you respond to yeah. the person rather than criminalising them. You you look after them. Right? You see people in Ireland actually. The, they perk up when you say decriminalising the person because yeah. what happens is a kind of fuzz comes over people. They just all they hear is decriminalising drugs. No way. And you know, even the most even the most liberal of the of the kind of like political parties get, gets a bit kind of antsy yeah. about that. But the decriminalising of the person, I think, is a much I think will be a much easier battle to win. You know what I mean? Like it's not about kind of having a drug free for all. It's actually about protecting the individuals. Absolutely. You know? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, decriminalization is not legalization. So for the benefit yeah. of listeners, you know, it's 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 uh, legalization is, is when you've regulated and controlled drugs. We're not talking about at all. Um, drugs will remain illegal. Um, and as I said a moment ago, it is about um, how you respond to the person found in possession of a small amount of drugs, you know, yeah. and instead of saying to them, you're bad, you're evil, all that sort of stuff, up to the court, you're saying to them, go down here and get assessed and find out, yeah. let's find out if you've got a problem or you, if it's problematic drug use or non-problematic drug use. It's all health related. It doesn't, you know, not everybody who takes drugs is addicted. Let's yeah. just be very clear on that. You know, people take drugs for all sorts of reasons and we're not condoning any of it. We're just saying it. the way we work uh, is... People present and we don't judge them and we work with them. And I think that's what we're trying to extend. We're trying to extend that out and say, look, you know, let's not judge people. Let's find out if there's a problem, an underlying health problem, like a serious health problem, a non-problematic or problematic. Let's help them. And that's it. And and they get great results. I mean, just to say that in 2015, um, Ireland, I think I got these figures right, Ireland had 348 overdose deaths um, and, uh, and, and out of a population of four and a half million. And Portugal had 40 out of a population of 10.5 million, yeah. right? Now, even if you allow for um, discrepancies in reporting, yeah, that's th- like, huge, it's right? huge, right? It, 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 seriously, we're doing something wrong there, so they're doing something right. And, um, and we've got, like, every life is worth saving. We've got to get those numbers yeah. down. And we have, a, we have a hard and fast statistics that we could monitor and see it going down yeah. depending on what we're doing. But at the moment, it, at best, it's staying level. At worst, it's going up. Yeah, and it's not about either, you know, kind of for anybody listening, and I know you're you're trying to convert people to the idea if they have been a victim of crime, it's very hard to kind of convince people, you know, about this kind of particular approach because all they want to do is kind of see people punished for what they've done. You know, decriminalising the individual does not mean allowing a kind of get out of jail free card or free for all for addicts to essentially behave in criminal activity that will go unpunished. You know, it's about the kind of difference between police stopping a crime in process i.e. someone getting their bag snatched and a, and, a, and, a, and a police officer kind of wasting their time stopping and stopping and searching an addict who's doing nothing and finding drugs on them and then basically putting them into the criminal justice system which is just a huge waste of time it doesn't doesn't serve any purpose there's no crime in process you know what I mean at that moment in time it's literally just stopping somebody and like you know gumming up the system like for people that have literally done nothing in that moment in time you know and I guess, um, you know, prison is, is not a therapeutic environment, no. you know, and people talk to me about, you know, well, now, you know, you've got a, this kind of, you've got a captive audience here, literally, and you can, yeah, you can yeah, help yeah. them. And then, I mean, look, this is, these are brutal places. You know, this is not a therapeutic environment where you can... there's more drugs in there most of the time than exactly. there is outside, you There's know, a crisis over in the UK, as I understand it. You know, um, we, we have many, many people, um, I can't think of the exact stat, but, but a, a high percentage of people in, in our prisons have drug problems. They're in there for other crimes. Crimes probably, but but they're 
they've got drug problems. Um, but you know, we, we need to, we need to be looking at this from a perspective of health. You know, and prisons are a strange one because they breed their own issues as well. Because yeah. we're seeing a spice crisis at the moment. Yeah. Because it's just yeah, you it's know, big in the English prisons, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah and and it makes sense when you think of it logically. Like you're in, you're incarcerated. What do you what do you need to do? You need to escape in some sort of way. Yeah. So you you seek alternatives. You know. Before it was potato moonshine, perhaps, but now it's yeah, yeah. spice being smuggled in, and this is what people need to understand: is it's, it's a big picture, isn't it? Yeah. It's not just about drugs, as as we keep saying. This is about societal links and controls and how we deal with that. And I think, again, Demet, you make a really good case that with the cultural aspects that I keep bringing in, because this is what's most exciting to me, is that I, I personally put more faith in, in your sector than what I do in Tony and mine's, because I think, you know, we can do the groundwork, but I think you're the messengers, you're the ones that actually get this across to people, because film, spoken word, plays, yeah. they've just got more of an outreach, because a lot of times it's the presentation of the argument. Yeah. And I think that's where your films and your plays really come into its own as well, is that... We've got examples like train spotting and things like that, but I think what you managed to do is, is really create a again a nuanced world around it. Did that come from any experience, or is that just your your interpretation of, of that? No, um, it was based on you know family addiction, you know, kind of like a, a meeting that I had with my brother years ago. Um, I don't want to talk too much about it because like it's kind of covered it like at length. Um, but yeah, no, I ran into him, and you know, kind of uh, what what happens? The, the idea of the film is a kind of it's it's a work of fiction because that that meeting actually happened in England, <clears throat> and I kind of thought, well, what would happen if that happened in Dublin over the course of a weekend, and you know, and there was a kind of unpacking of, of kind of, negative kind of tropes around addicts, you know what I mean? And then like you know, so I needed I needed the other character to kind of have a drug, to be addicted to a drug that was kind of analogous to heroin. So he became a, a ketamine addict, you know what I mean? Which is kind of mimics a lot of the effects, but it's easier to because it's a, it's a morphine type drug but it's easier to kind of maintain a life you know which was a huge problem people essentially believing they're not addicts even mm -hmm. though they're kind of taking drugs every week or every weekend or maybe even every second night you know that kind of way but they still have to go for work in the morning so about that kind of dichotomy between those two types of addiction one that leads to abject poverty almost instantaneously and one that kind of allows an individual to kind of muddle through and uh, and and have a series of kind of psychological problems, you know, based on that as well. So the two of these people, because it was it originally existed as a play, what would be the arguments that these two people would have, you know, that kind of way in a in a in a in a thing, and also kind of a an anthropological look at you know subcultures in Dublin, which I, I felt hadn't really kind of been touched on because anytime dance music or drug addiction or drugs culture not just addiction but like people you know taking recreational drugs it had always been touched on was always from an outsider in you know like I, I in the in the 2000s like I would have done gone to a lot of gigs you know what I mean like and seen that kind of world so I kind of was always going wow there's a real um you know brass eye kind of approach to you know cake the episode you know what I mean to like this hysteria around things because if you allow red top newspapers and shock jocks to control a narrative you know that kind of way you're not actually helping in any way so if you have a voice you can add to that voice and give it nuance you can give that not voice your voice can add nuance to uh, to an argument that people see in an incredibly binary kind of black and white kind of way um, but as we know you know none of this is any kind of the societal ills are black and white but uh, and but politicians unfortunately I think over here <clears throat> your politics seems even a lot more divided you know they they genuinely do see things in a black and white issue, but it's it's a poverty, 
the thing you know what I mean as well you know the majority of people who are addicted to <clears throat> and this was in the film as well the majority of people who are addicted to drugs like heroin are people that come from disadvantaged areas or areas with drugs proliferating areas of social degradation <clears throat> you know whereas people that are taking recreational drugs are usually kind of middle class kids that went to nice schools and they've, they've a lot more education about what the type of drugs do you know and that's an interesting point and I, uh, recent, I think it was this very week that the report came out that we know that middle classes use a lot of drugs, yeah. possibly more than than lower socioeconomic groups. Mm-hmm. And is that the same in Ireland? Is there a middle class drug yeah. use as well? Uh, yes, there is. Um, we've we one of the highest rates of MDMA, don't we? Yeah, yeah, we have the fourth. Fourth in the EU, yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of MDMA. Yeah, we, we do. And I was um, working with the Analyphy Drug Project down at uh, our largest festival, Electric Picnic, um, in, in the last few weeks. Um, and... You know, it, it's it's a middle class yeah. um, uh, group of people who go along, generally speaking, and and you know, um, certainly we saw around four hundred people in the welfare tent coming into us, and we 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 helped them and supported them over the course of the weekend. It was out of, out of fifty out of fifty five thousand people. It believe me, it's not about electric picnic. It's about festivals. Generally, we need to make sure people are safe. But yeah. I think I think one of the things that comes up. When you talk about you know middle class people taking drugs, is is well if they didn't take those drugs, there wouldn't be a market, uh, and I think that message it just doesn't work, right? It just doesn't work, and uh, people don't hear it. And why is that? Because people don't see that their drug use is part of the wider drug use. They just yeah. don't. It's like when you have someone buying a TV in a pub. They don't see that. They think yeah, themselves yeah, yeah. as lucky. You know, I got myself a nice TV. Do, yeah. do, it, it simply doesn't equate with petty crime that's damaging their area. Do, do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So there is no... It's one of those ones that's come up a lot in recent years, and I'm like, look, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It doesn't stop drug use. It, uh, on a population level, it just doesn't work. What works is progressive drug policies yeah. like like decriminalisation of drugs, the, the person, I should say, decriminalising people who use drugs. So, um, yeah, the, the evidence is, is, is just really clear on that. And just to come back just for one second on, on Dublin Old School, because he's too uh, humble to, 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 to say how good it is. It is a, yeah. it is a fantastic movie uh, from an entertaining perspective, but also about the, the issue of drugs. Uh, it does give a great insight into what, one of the reasons why people become... Um, uh, move towards sort of problematic drug use. There's a number of reasons, but but it's one of those reasons. And we had a we had a special screening there on Monday uh, in Adelie and Liffey Drug Project. And the reason I'm saying it is because a group of middle class people came along to watch it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they came with their their uh, young adult children. I brought my daughters there, right? Um, and uh, two of them, not not the youngest, she's way too young. And um, uh, and friends of mine like Mark brought his daughter Caitlin, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, and afterwards, the discussion was really healthy. You yeah. know, it was a really healthy discussion. I could hear it. We were talking about it about drug use, and that's that's really important. So. You know, I shouldn't be plugging things, but you should go and see Dublin Old School. It is, it is a, it is a fantastic movie, uh, and it, and uh, very worth the watch. Thank you. That, mm. Just on that point, though, what Tony was mentioning about the kind of <clears throat> the wider issue to the middle class kids, like don't take it, you're part of a wider kind of cabal of you know nefarious activity. Certainly, that is like the world drug trade is fucking appalling and horrendous, and people die. But middle class kids are too tuned in; they're too worldwide that they kind of look and they go. 
some conservative politician is going to talk to me about morality and they're selling fucking weapons to the Saudis that are bombing kids. You know what I mean? They go, you don't have moral authority over me or my life. So they don't, you know, they go, if that's the case, then I'll stop eating Nestle stuff because they're, you know, wiping out the jungles in Borneo because of palm oil. You know, they see the world in a connected way. They probably think about that for a moment, but then decide, actually, you know what? you know things aren't connected as much as they are or if they are then everybody in the world and every government on the planet would start acting in a far more moral fashion and I think you know so those arguments if politicians try to use those arguments they don't have a moral high ground to take that so they need to take a different tact if they want young people to to come off drugs or stop taking drugs they just don't see it like that they don't make the link or or they or they're they're very clever kind of like college kids who do see the link and just don't yeah. care you know I mean most people who get done for minor possession don't get don't go to prison. Yeah. They get a criminal record, and what happens to them is their life opportunities are damaged, right? Yeah. So they can't get the job they wanted because, you know, in Ireland you'll have to get guard clearance, police clearance, right? And, and, and when it comes yeah, back, yeah. you know, it affects them if they want to travel to the US and, and they, they can't, you know, and, and it's... It, what was the point of it? Do, yeah, you know, do, do you know what was the point of it? So, you know, whereas you can have another model which doesn't do that, which says, okay, let's assess you. Let's have a look at this. Okay, it's not problematic. Yeah. Do you understand the risks you're taking? This is some yeah. advice for you. Da, da, da. Or it is problematic. And you say, listen, this is available for you. This treatment is here for you if you need it. And they can take it or they can leave it. And the, the other thing that's really interesting about Portugal I was speaking to, the, as I said, Nuno Capaz in, in Lisbon. He was explaining to me that of the 100% of people they see, um, only 15, 1-5% appear back in front of them, you know. So, that, yeah. you know, the, so, so something's working, you know. The, the, the recidivism is just, not, yeah. is, is just not there. In Ireland, we need to change the culture as well because a lot of the time it can be down to the... The whim of the of the arresting cop and the whim of the arrest of the of the, the, the judge and who's sitting. You know what I mean? Like so, it's kind of like the electric picnic one's a good example because that's down in where where does Stradbally Stradbally. So yeah. the local courthouse, six months after the thing is usually filled with all these like kind of middle class and well, well you know all kind of people from all walks of life who went to that festival down in a courthouse all with their suits on they all got caught with like you know one pill or you know that kind of way and it's it's just churning them all through and essentially they're criminalising a load of well depending on the whim of the judge you know what I mean whether or not he thinks they deserve one or not you know and I do know people who have you're in the entertainment industry, like you've got you know caught with enough for a joint 15 years ago, then they get a part or a job in the US, and then it doesn't yeah. happen, you know. So. Yeah, that happens quite a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah the, as well. The, the overseas it? travels is just you know yeah. a major issue in its own. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't help anybody. Is there much of a conversation around? And I know I know this isn't part of Analyphy, but is there much of a conversation around drug testing at festivals in Ireland? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, there is uh, a national uh, within the national drug strategy. There is uh, a group to be established before the end of the year, I believe, um, and they will be looking at, at things like um, uh, drug checking, amnesty bins, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and we, we just don't have that in Ireland at the moment. It's against the law. And I think what is really important is is that we look at the evidence and we bring people along with us. So obviously, as you mentioned before earlier, uh, Emmett, the 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 guards will 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 will, will enforce the law right so yeah. if the law has to be changed to allow that to exist I'm, I have no doubt the guards will, will row in behind us yeah, yeah. and they'll work with us um, there is definitely this law enforcement and public health paradigm that we work with in Ireland um, and in fact you know when you go to a music festival and you're working alongside the guards you can see it in its rawest form you know because I was stood there in electric picnic chatting to an, an officer and he was yeah. talking to me about the arrests that they were making while I was talking to him about the people we were helping do, right. do, you know yeah, so yeah, yeah. you know uh, yeah right it's strange, but it's kind of like that's what happens 
all over the place. Yeah. Police officers have a duty to enforce the law, but they have another duty, which is to protect life. And we'd all be very naive to think that officers didn't care about that. They do care about that, you know. Um, and you know, and there's di- and and there's different experiences for different people. But but I think um, I think that uh, yeah, I guess the law enforcement and public health piece of work is very much alive and well in Ireland. Um, and uh, and we just want to see more of it, you know, in this, yeah. by by improving the opportunity to do it, having a having the law changed and having people who use drugs decriminalised um, so it's very clear to the guards what their job is it's very clear to the health yeah. side of the house what their job is and no ambiguity you know and yeah 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 just it's that kind of thing of all these these kind of things have been essentially not they've been working in parallel to each other but not necessarily to join up thinking that would you know but like you know policing in a sense and even in Britain it's still kind of in that Victorian model you know it's there literally just to protect property from the mob you know what I mean like and that's it like and there's some people that genuinely believe that still you know the hill. I think there was a reform of, of the police in Britain in the 1980s that has yet to kind of happen here in Ireland well not here in Ireland you know the, hopefully this new report will be the thing that will actually bring about that kind of complete reform where you know there's a professionalism I think and I think most guards are they want that they want that reform you know what I mean like that uh, yeah, um, I think we're having conversations here because of you know the, the disproportionate stop and searches, which right. is what we named this podcast after because it's such a big issue. We, we right. will be taking it on, and I think that as you both said, is that once you have these these full conversations, people realise that we might actually want to start doing things differently. Yeah. So just to start wrapping up, where do you think we are going in Ireland? Do you think within the next, I don't know, say ten years? How how do you think? And I'm, and I'm going to put you both on the spot here. Right. Uh, we'll revisit in 10 years to see how, how much this has come true. But where do you think things are going? Um, well, I think for a start, you know, and I made the proviso that implementation is everything, obviously, yeah. getting doing doing it. Uh, I think we will decriminalise drugs or people, for, uh, yeah. people who use drugs. I think we'll yeah. decriminalise people who use drugs in Ireland. Um, and I think uh, I have to believe that we'll do that from a legislative point of view that makes things very clear. As a consequence of that, over time, maybe 10 to 15 years' time, um, Irish society will have a better understanding of drug use. They'll have a more tolerant and empathic uh, uh, feeling towards people who use drugs. They'll say that people who use drugs, um, uh, it's a health issue and they need to be looked after and supported or whatever and and proportionate responses and such. Um, I think we will have, um, you know, drug consumption rooms around the country. And as a consequence, if we do those things and other, um, you know, progressive drug policy, uh, I think that we will see overdose deaths coming down. I think we'll see people um, uh, reaching their potential, whatever that potential might be, whether they're stable on methadone or yeah. drug-free or whatever it might be, back with their family, back with their, whatever state they've got into, whatever the goals they've, they want to achieve. And I think it, we'll just be safer and we'll be more tolerant and um, it, it won't be perfect, but it'll be, it'll be better. I, I, you, we cannot solve drug use in society. It's, the, the horse has bolted. Right? Yeah. What we can do is manage it better. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Emmett? I yeah, I totally agree with. Yeah, I totally agree with Tony. Said. I think that's that's it. It's um, you know, I think like you know, barring some other kind of large, major kind of economic crises, mm. Um, mm. I think what what would be the next step for kind of left, like if it's a left wing government in power, I think yeah, these things will happen. Um, barring any kind of economic crisis, I think. On top of that, politically, what we need to do is something quite extreme. Not extreme, but it's politically kind of... We need to constitutionally protect services in Ireland. 
and we can do that through referenda or referendums so that if we do need any kind of future you know austerity packages basically put forward to us that these kind of services and these things uh, for NGOs are ring fenced you know because um I'm just quite fearful that, like, as soon as kind of the, the money kind of dries up, that the you know the the will behind it, not to be yeah. you know put a bad happener on it, but you know they will. Yeah. It can be quite hard to kind of yeah. So hopefully that doesn't happen, and hopefully we kind of uh, we keep on repairing and that there is a, a, a moving forward with all the the injection centres and that the political will meets up with the uh, the need, if you will, uh, of of what needs to be done. You know, and it's it's definitely a good point that you both made is that. If other things start coming on the political agenda, sometimes this can get pushed down. We, like, yeah. You both use the example of Brexit. And but that, that's where we kind of keep having those kind of conversations with people to say, look, I know you don't see that there's a correlation between having the injection centre and also having, you know, increased services for carers or increased services for something else that people will say, well, what about hospital beds? You know, all of these things are intrinsically linked. And if you pull the thread on one, um, but hopefully there's a political will there, you know what I mean, that they can see this, as you say, as something that's a 20-year plan and not just a plan of the next five years of government, you know. So, um, and I do I do think that a lot of the younger politicians uh, can see that. They kind of go, look, we need to deal with this and we yeah. need to get actually a bit crazy. There's a bit of momentum. Yeah, yeah. There is, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and just to give you a quick example, in Sydney they say... Sorry to be all doom and gloom. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's a good point. Like, they, they say in Sydney, <laughs> the medically supervised injections, they're one of the studies proved that they saved 600 thousand dollars on top yeah. of what they spent so that six hundred thousand dollars they saved was spent somewhere else in the system yeah, yeah, yeah. so you can kind of yeah you can constantly go and bring it back to you know the evidence-based yeah. stuff and the fact that it's actually cost effective to do this and then by being cost effective it will save lives it is yeah i, I wrote a cheap plug from me but i wrote an article for virgin that it's far more cost effective to to treat someone than it is to punish it's, yes, it's, it's, absolutely, it's that yeah, simple yeah, yeah. All right, so quick plugs. Emmett, what, what are you up to? Uh, where can we find you? Dublin All Skills come back to the Project Art Centre from the 10th or the 11th of December uh, 2018 and that's in Dublin City Centre. Uh, Project Art Centre tickets are available right now on projectartcentre.com. That'd be amazing. It is, it is an awesome yeah. place. So it's a kind of spoken word opera journey through Dublin uh, by two actors and they play like a, a multitude of characters uh, all based around, uh, you know, dr- uh, you know the the meeting of two brothers. So one of them is a heroin addict, and the other one is a ketamine addict. And the conversations they have, and the kind of epic journey that they have through Dublin over the course of a weekend, bank holiday weekend. See, that's perfect. That's exactly what we've been saying, Tony. Isn't it? That's what we need: more culture infiltration. Yeah, you yeah, see yeah. that, you will laugh and you will cry. And it is when you show people those kind of stories, but you also give them a piece of entertainment. You know, you can make the medicine go down. Bits weird, know. you know. But uh, you know, again, it's it's not about kind of writing edgy prop and kind of putting forward kind of plays that have a overtly kind of political message. There is a play that's a piece of entertainment, but buried somewhere within there, there's a not a lesson, but a bit of information. If you've never kind of a lot of most people don't know this world, they just see from the outside they see addicts, but they don't see that that that's the tip of the iceberg. They don't see where they've come from or the fact that possibly it's an intergenerational problem. You know, maybe going back and in Ireland, some cases now, I think it's five generations people. You know, people that maybe have been on drugs since the late 70s. And like, you know, they have kids that are my age, you know what I mean, who've now got kids, you know, to, no, four generations, I would say. You know, so there could be grandkids and great-grandkids now that are basically coming into a world of drugs and drug addiction, you know. So, um, yeah, if if the time the time's now. Yeah, to do something. <laughs> you know? That's perfect, isn't it? Like you said, Tony, that's exactly what we need. We need more of mm. that 
of that infiltrating into culture so we can actually learn more and be entertained. Yeah, big time. Absolutely. So, Anna Liffey, what have you, what have you got? We've got, we've got, a, we we've got a, a report that we've been doing with uh, the London School of Economics and Columbia University, and it's coming out. Um, it's going to be launched um, on the 8th of October, uh, and it's a, it's a very clear piece of work that brings together the evidence in a very, very uh, accessible way around decriminalisation of, dr- of people yeah. who use drugs. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they, we're looking forward to getting that out into the world and uh, seeing what the debate is around that. Um, we've got a, we've got a, if, if people want to go to saferfromharm, saferfromharm.ie, um, people can sign up to a newsletter there and we, we're putting out a newsletter around uh, some emails around um, around our work around decriminalisation of drugs. And that's going to be great, the report, because it's fact-based, yeah. evidence-based work and people, when they, you know, they can't argue with facts. <laughs> you know what I mean? They can't argue with evidence-based work, you know, yeah. so... Or they can ignore them. They can ignore them. Well, <laughs> or, they, always, or they say... Always an option. The thing they always do, well, oh, that's science, is it? Well, then your science is broken. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, as if it's some exactly. sort of, you know, yeah, yeah, anyway. And the, and the safer from harm is also a hashtag in it, which you can follow. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. So we, we, we did a little, we've done a campaign around, um, around Decrim and it's a hashtag safer from harm. And it's gone quite. It's gone well, you know. The whole social media side of things can be very effective in terms of meeting similar-minded people and getting messages across. It's really, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I personally can't thank you both enough because no I've learned so much from that. I I feel ignorant on what's going on in Ireland, so I thank you so much for, for oh, getting me up yeah. to speed. So, Tony Duffin from um, Annie Liffey, and thank you, Emmett Cohen. Thank Bye. You. Thank you so much to the guests on that one. It was a brilliant one. I I really, really got a lot out of that. And as I said, check out all the links. They'll be scrolling underneath on your cast app, cast.com slash stop and search. A quick few thank yous. Thank you so much to our guests on that one, uh, Tony Duffin from Anna Liffey Jars Project and Emmett Kerwin. And also thank you to the the team that does this. Thank you to Tristan and Nikki who produced this show. Could not do it without them. And now, as you know, they're award-winning producers as well. So, yay, yay for us. My name is Ad. Thank you so much for the artwork you do for us. John, thank you so much for the social media you do on the Leap UK channels, which is at UK Leap on Twitter, at UK Leap on Instagram, UKLeap.org on Facebook, and UKLeap.org on the internet, which I should know by now, but I still have to read them off. And thank you, John, at Distraction Pieces Network for all the social media you do for us, those brilliant scrolling little videos you do. Thank you, Scooby's Pet Pavlinus, on your brilliant, brilliant network, along with all of the network, which is Susie Gage, um, Stu, Chris, Hardcore Listening, and Off the Beaten Track now. Uh, Brett Goldstein, feels to be buried with, and of course, Tuesday Night George, Jim Smallman, who's also got a book out. Go and get this book, please. And of course, obviously, it goes without saying, Scooby's Pet Distraction Pieces Network, the original. So on that note, on that ramble, I'm going to leave you, and I'm working on the next episode already. And there's, yeah, spoiler alerts, there's a few interesting ones coming up. Quite interesting, to say the least. On that note, bye. Behind your barricade. Yeah, but how long can I stay? Behind your Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.